Hi, you're with Julian on the Brown Notes, and any day a new Pusha T album arrives in my lap, it's a great day. I am a bit of a saddo when it comes to Mr. T, as he's known. Um, I got into clips in the mid-90s when they were already virtually ground to a halt. They'd sort of been sat on and squashed by their record label and uh, pretty much kicked off the whole mixtape era. Uh, we got it for cheap, volumes one and two, whatever, regarded as some of the most important mixtapes ever uh, from a place where their record company wasn't releasing their music, so they were putting out stuff for free. Hugely influential. Uh, Lord Willing, was it this second album? Was a was a classic, but Hell Have No Fury, their 2006 album, I say is the best rap album released this century. It's one that I've gone back to every year. I'll have it in the car for a couple of weeks and just marvel at how utterly perfect it is. So with a duo of brothers, Gene and Terence Thornton, called Pusha T, in Terence's case, and um, Malice, but now no Malice, in the case of Gene. And around this, their final album, which wasn't well received, it was an attempt to be commercial, but everything had fallen apart, called Till the Casket Drops. It was no follow-up to Hell Have No Fury, which at that time they were very famous for being synonymous with Pharrell Williams and the Neptunes production team. And the story was that the Neptunes, who had ridden the early 90s through the charts with some of the most futuristic-sounding production, even with Britney Spears, um, gave their best work to Clips. They'd formed this bond. Around this time, their, which is probably 2008-ish, their manager got busted for a multi-million dollar cocaine ring. Now, they solely famously rap about being cocaine dealers. To my mind, Pusha T is like one of those Japanese sushi chefs that does one thing his whole life trying to perfect it. So he's done rapped about cocaine and nothing else. And seeing how many different places he can take that, and, he's, and he can. But um, their manager went, uh, uh, so they've been rapping about me and these Scarface cocaine dealers for a very long time, and then their manager gets busted, and I think he got like 99 years. And the band split, and the uh, other brother, Gene, became No Malice from Malice, and basically became a born-again Christian, and actually raps Christian music since then and i did wonder whether they were like splintering from the winds because this massive cocaine i think 30 million dollar uh, cocaine empire didn't quite crash down on them but for a while i thought it was and ever since he's struggled to make it as a solo artist and i thought the best uh, description of that was i really like my name is my name from 2013 king push 2015 but the a crit oh, can you believe that shit a critic said um, he was swamped by the production, and he did, he seemed lost. And all of that changed in 2018 when he came out with this shocking album called Daytona, where every he is the head of Kanye West's good music record label, so they're very close. Can you shut up? I hate that sound, it's one of the world's worst sounds. So he's close with Kanye. Kanye focused around the time Kanye could do no right at all. 
and made this 25-minute masterpiece, one of the most lauded rap albums of the last decade. It was absolutely perfect, and it showed what you needed to do, which was be very, very choosy about the kind of production he raps over and very, very focused. And he suddenly found this format, this very narrow format of a 25-minute album, really suited him. He could keep the, keep the levels up the whole way through. There wasn't anything on it that wasn't great. No wasted moments. And his um, delivery and his... Um, it just seems to sharpen slightly. Even though he's rapping about exactly the same things, it seems to get sharper each release. So he's come back after that long introduction with It's Almost Dry, a thrilling album. Now, this is actually a follow-up to Daytona in, in some senses. It isn't long. It's actually um, just slightly longer than... Uh, 10 minutes longer than Daytona. Uh, and it's only got 12 tracks, but they're all pretty sleek and um, a lot around the two-minute mark, 250 sort of mark. Um, and the exciting thing this time is... And, and also one of the flaws, if you can call it that, this time is that he's used um, Farrell. So we get Farrell Williams back from that Neptune's team up with Clips for half the album and the other half with Kanye West. So you get them two firing backwards and forwards, track for track at times. And um, I think Farrell Williams wins overall on that one. And you could argue it robs the album of that laser focus from Daytona of actually having just a one person there. But overall, I think they've done a wonderful job here. Um, the opening track, Brambleton, is just that classic Neptune's, you know, underwater, weird, acidy, hazy, woozy, eerie music that they make with a, usually like really booming bass. Um, very good stuff. About his manager as well, about how his manager's made some comments that could be considered disparaging after he got out of jail saying you rap about my life and he addresses it quite quite well not you know in a nasty way um the second track let the smokers shine in coops this album flies out of the the first five tracks are just fantastic better than daytona i would say over those five tracks uh, let the smokers shine in coops another farrell williams production very militaristic beat this time and if there's one thing that he does do better here, Pusha T shows a wider range of vocal styles. He gets quite aggressive and menacing on some of these. Kanye introduces with um, the one track that will stand out the second anyone hears it, which is um, Dreaming of the Past, which loads this Jealous Guy, John Lennon's Jealous Guy, sung uh, by Don Hathaway. Uh, it's just a, it's just an unforgettable sample. It, he rides it all the way through the song, and it is irresistible to listen to. Fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And it, with these elements, the fact that he can get much more aggressive and menacing, and the jealous guy sample is so pronounced, it's a it's a more colourful album, I think, than Daytona. Check uh, four has a quite an emotional and and decent uh, co-style by Jay Z. Uh, neck and wrist, another belter, five, uh, just so you remember, um, back to Kanye, uh, another fantastic track, um, it's got that D, it's got that DJ Shadow six days sample in which should be overplayed, you know, it's only Monday, which I only found out was, was by Colonel Bagshot, I've gone the last, a 70s band, I've gone the whole last 20 years thinking it was, um, 
DJ Shadow's own track. You know, the one that features in Tokyo Drift and about 10 other places. Um, but the low-key tribal beat backing on it really does work well and um, sort of gives it a bit of fresh legs. Only problem with this album, a couple of tracks in the middle, um, which aren't bad, um, just aren't as good. Those five tracks in a row are better than Daytona. Diet Coke and Rock and Roll track six and seven aren't as good as anything on Daytona. They're still pretty decent. Um, I mean, Diet Coke is just an ordinary rap belter. There's nothing special like much of this album. Um, and it's also got 88 keys on production, so it's the only one that isn't Kanye or Pharrell Williams. And Rock and Roll featuring Kid Cootie, the last track that he will do in conjunction with Kanye West after they had a falling out over Kim Kardashian. Um, yeah, I wasn't. I think it's quite hooky, but I didn't really like Kid Cudi's uh, vocals on it, and I thought the hook was quite strained. But it, they're both decent tracks. It's just when you're dealing with perfection, you've got these two tracks in the middle. It does kind of jar a little bit, but they're still perfectly fine to listen to. Um, and then it gradually gets back to being at its best. Um, Call My Bluff, More Weird Neptunes. And uh, it's got slight clips vocals on that one, which I thought was really, really good. Sounds very stoned. Scrape it off. Um, quite simple, but poppy and trippy. Uh, and then the last sort of three tracks really do hit a high point again. Hear Me Clearly I thought was magnificent. Um, some of the most thrilling and dynamic production on the album. And uh, one of the best vocal performances. Open Air is, is nearly as good. But um, I think the most exciting one is I Pray For You. The longest track on the album, about four and a half minutes, is a fascinating end. Um, featuring Labyrinth, who I swore blind was James Blake. It sounds so much like James Blake. Now, what's so exciting about this, and I wish that this was a Pharrell Williams production, is that it features a verse from, and it ends the album from his brother. It's clips in the song. So we could have had Neptune and clips, but it's a fantastic track. And um, Push T does great with the first half of the track, and his brother, No Malice Thornton, who still raps in about Christian stuff, comes in with this really hard verse, which contains some of the best lines on the album about, you know, he's a Vietnam veteran getting flashbacks, one sniff sets him off, and all this stuff. And it's a really hard verse, and a really great way to end what is a near-perfect album. Just a couple of more wayward moments here and there, and especially Diet Coke and uh, the Kid Cudi track uh, weren't quite as strong. So would the album have been stronger leaving those off, probably, if you'd have taken it down to 10 tracks. But it's a more expansive album than Daytona, and it's a more colourful, and you actually get some more sort of different versions of Pusha T on the album, which I don't think he did on, on um, Daytona. So a fantastic album from one of rap's reigning hot streaks. Pusha T, it's almost dry, eight and a half out of 10. <laughs>